Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pau Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on another episode of Sports Business Radio. Glad you could join us. This episode of Sports Business Radio is presented by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment is a division of Morgan Stanley Wealth Management dedicated to serving the unique and sophisticated needs of elite and professional athletes, entertainers, executives, creators, and other top talent and professionals in the sports and entertainment industry. Visit morganstanley.com backslash GSE to learn more. Great guest for you this week, Monica Abbott, softball legend. Check this out. She's the author of 23 NCAA Division I no-hitters and six perfect games when she was at the University of Tennessee, same time as our friend Candace Parker. Uh, She's going to join us to discuss her career, her new book. It's called Rise and Shine, the Monica Abbott Story. Uh, She earned 17 championship titles over the course of her college and pro career, two-time Olympian, four-time world champion, and just had an epic softball career. She recently retired from professional softball, so she's now an author, motivational speaker, founder of the Abbott Academy. She's got a great story about Randy Johnson that I think you'll get a chuckle from. Uh, Monica is six foot three, so tall and uh, intimidating as a pitcher, also like Randy Johnson. So I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. I want to remind you to listen to Sports Business Radio on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. Give Sports Business Radio a five-star rating if you enjoy our podcast and click on the plus sign on our Apple Podcast page and follow the Sports Business Radio podcast every week so it's downloaded right to your inbox. All right, Griggs, how are you? I'm great. Monica, man, talk about a champion OG. She is uh, dynamite on the mound. I love watching her play and she's just uh, such a cool girl. And, you know, just her stories are hilarious. Uh, the Randy Johnson story you're going to love. It's just epic. I love how she describes that story. And, uh, you know, she's involved off the mound now doing all kinds of stuff. So it's always fun to see, you know, I love getting behind the scenes of what these people do when they're done with their career and what they do now. And, uh, you know, played some time in Japan too, which is interesting. Yeah. And just, you know, a good perspective overall on the growth of women's sports, NIL and softball. So I think people will enjoy the conversation. All right. Before we get to Monica, let's look at some headlines. Griggs, a record breaking deal in the NFL. Jalen Hurts 
signs a five-year, $255 million extension with the Philadelphia Eagles, including $179.3 million guaranteed. Now, obviously, this is a huge deal for Hertz. Congratulations to Nicole Lynn, the agent um, who negotiated this deal with Clutch Sports. Um, This will also impact the contracts of Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert. Griggs, you remember we talked about a week ago about fully guaranteed contracts like the one Deshaun Watson had. This contract with Hertz, not fully guaranteed. So about $75 million of the money not guaranteed. If this had been fully guaranteed, okay, now you've got a second contract that's fully guaranteed for a quarterback and Lamar, Joe, Justin's agents could step forward and say, well, we want a fully guaranteed contract. The fact that it's not fully guaranteed is going to make it a little bit more difficult for one of those three that I just mentioned to say, I also want a fully guaranteed contract because the teams are going to say, look, the Deshaun Watson contract is an anomaly. This was a crazy contract. It's not the norm. Uh, you know, we'll give you a lot of money, probably more than what Hertz just got. So that con- that record-breaking contract is probably going to last for a few months before one of these other three quarterbacks breaks the record but it's not fully guaranteed. So it'll be interesting to see how those other three contracts turn out. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's big money. Like you said, it's it's a record-breaking amount right now, but it will probably be broken soon. And uh, those three names you mentioned too that are coming up on contracts, it's going to be, you know, the fully guaranteed is the key. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago, you mentioned that that's kind of the, the thing that sets the path for everybody else. And we're still not seeing the fully guaranteed, but uh, it's still big money. I love the backstory on uh, Hertz Agent too, where, she literally just DM'd him one time and said, hey, who's repping you? Anybody got you? And then here we go. She's negotiated the biggest contract. Uh, pretty cool. Best text ever sent by right. an agent. <laughs> that turned into something pretty good. Um, look, I, I think it's going to be really interesting. You know, I think of the three we just mentioned, Lamar, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, I think Joe Burrow is going to get the biggest one. I think he's going to be the highest paid. Um, you know, we'll see how firm those quarterbacks hold with I need fully guaranteed money or not. Lamar is held pretty firm. And and I got to tell you, you know, I know Hertz finished second in MVP voting. He got his team to the Super Bowl, but I think Lamar and Joe Burrow have a better resume, a better body of work than Jalen Hurts. So they absolutely should be asking for more money. I think Justin Herbert has a better upside than Jalen Hurts. Um, but look, this was really smart by the Eagles because they lock Hertz in before those other three contracts, which would probably be lucrative. And then Hertz comes in and says, Hey, I need as much as them. They lock him in for five years. Um, you know, it's a, it's a big salary per year, but uh, I, I think they're getting him at a rate that is going to be better than if they signed him after Burrow and Herbert and Lamar are signed. So we'll see how this goes. Speaking of big money, We're now in the review stages of the NFL reviewing the Josh Harris group and their proposed purchase of the Washington Commanders from Dan Snyder. $6.05 billion, the most amount of money ever paid for a North American sports franchise. So um, the meetings for the NFL are in about three weeks, and that's when if you know, everyone agrees that's when they put this to vote in front of the NFL owners and say, OK, do you approve the Josh Harris group? I would think, Griggs, that they're going to fast track this because, you know, they've got the sales price that Snyder has said that works for me. 
Um, the NFL wants Dan Snyder out of the league ASAP because he has brought lots of bad PR to the league and, uh, you know, has some things off the field that could affect him. So they want to wash their hands of Dan Snyder as fast as possible. I would be really surprised if Josh Harris, who, by the way, owns the Philadelphia 76ers of the NBA and the New Jersey Devils of the NHL, like he's a solid bet, right? Like, you know what he is. He owns other teams. He's got the money. Magic Johnson's part of this group with the commanders. You're not going to get much more of a solid bet. So take the money, get Dan Snyder out of your league and turn the page on the commanders. Yeah, I think uh, I agree. Get it wrapped up before kickoff in September, you know, get the new ownerships in there, get the get the whole thing rolling. And I agree. I think it's going to be as quick as they can make it happen. Sounds like a great group. You mentioned the teams he's owning already. I mean, both great franchises in playoffs. Um, uh, they know what they're doing. So I think this is a great group. Magic Johnson's a nice bonus. He obviously is a great face for your for your ownership group too. So yeah, I think uh, it's going to be fast tracked. I have been watching this. We've both been watching this one because that's going to be record breaking amount of money coming through. So it'll be interesting to see when they sign the dotted line. All right. I've been watching NBA playoffs. Have you? Oh, big time. Yep. Yeah. It's been good. Um, you know, of all the series, I, I love the Kings warriors. Yep. You know, that's got a lot of drama to it and they're just playing, you know, I tweeted this out. They're playing, it looks like the the game is sped up for them. The yeah. pace that they're playing at, like I was with uh, Loyola Marymount in the 1990s when they were that record-scoring college basketball team. This reminds me of that. They're playing super fast. They're scoring lots of points. Uh, great defensive intensity. Lots of great offense. Um, you know, I love that people are getting to see the Sacramento Kings on display. Um, De'Aaron Fox is solid. Sabonis mm-hmm. is solid. Mike Brown, coach of the year, has, you know, done a great job in the first two games. So as we record this, it's two zip Kings, best of seven, um, not best of five. So best of seven. So, but how about this, Griggs? Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, they've played together for a number of years now. Even before them, since 2007, the Warriors have not trailed a series to zip. So this is uncharted territory for Steph and crew. Can they come back from a two zip deficit? Now, you know, you were on Sacramento's home court. So if you hold serve, then I guess you've got to come through in in game seven if you're Golden State. But, uh, you know, most people pick the Warriors in this series. And right now it's two zip Sacramento. I'm also watching that Phoenix Clippers series. It is so good to see Kawhi back to the Kawhi that we knew a few years ago when he was winning with Toronto and winning with San Antonio, like he's playing at a high level. On the other end of the spectrum, the Suns look really tentative. Um, KD and Booker don't know who should shoot or who should take the ball at clutch time. Like they're still getting to know each other. So that's going to be interesting. Um, The East, you know, Giannis, Went down in game one. How long is he out? Tyler Hero is out for the year for the Miami Heat. Um, Ja Morant in the West with Memphis Grizzlies. Looks like he might be out for the rest of the series with a a broken hand and and maybe the season. And I mean, if you would have told me a month ago, the Lakers might go further in the playoffs than the Warriors. And we're not there yet, but Lakers are up one zip on Memphis and the Warriors are down 0-2 to Sacramento. I would have said, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. But we might be in that position, Griggs. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. I mean, the Lakers looked really good in game one. They looked like they knew what they were doing. They were controlled. 
I think uh, it, the key is AD. I mean, if he can get down low and dominate like he's been dominating uh, the last few games before the playoffs, that's where they're at. That's the bread and butter. And then you got LeBron on the outside, and that duo is just hard to beat. And with uh, if Jaws out, it's going to be tough in Memphis. But uh, yeah, who would have thought the Lakers might go past the Warriors? And the Warriors are holding serve with their, their season. They're like one of the worst road teams in the season. They're great at home. So I think they're going to go back yeah. and win two at home, and we're gonna, we got a series again. But they're going to have to find a way to win in Sacramento. I think that's just, I love the energy in Sacramento. I mean, the owner's loving it. The crowd's on fire. It's fun to see. So it's fun to see some new, a new team in there we haven't seen. I mean, when do you ever see the Kings on TV ever? You, you forget they're even in the league. So it's fun to see them on stage and, and they are performing. Uh, I think you're right. I think KD, when the series started, I think he's only played eight games with Phoenix. So you can see that they're tentative because they just haven't played together yet. I mean, with his injury, yeah. uh, they're still learning each other, but they're a good team. And I think Phoenix is going to win some games too. So uh, some some good series. I think Denver looks like they're going to dominate. Boston looks good. Um, but, uh, you know, first round, you never know what will happen. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. The NBA is hoping that Giannis and Jaw yeah. come back. Those yeah. are two of the game's biggest stars. And if those guys are out for the season or for an extended period of time, it's not good for either of those franchises. It's not good for the TV ratings. And fans want to see two of the biggest stars. So, you know, you hope that Giannis and, and Ja Morant are okay all right coming up next monica abbott softball legend just dominant as a pitcher for the university of tennessee for team usa she pitched in japan um really excited to share this conversation with you you're listening to sports business radio we'll be right back there's nothing common about you now your talent your drive your achievements or even your challenges You need distinctive financial strategies that match your lifestyle and career trajectory. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment was created to address your specific needs at every stage of your career and deliver the financial education and strategies you need to help advance your game plan. They speak the language. They know your business. Morgan Stanley will work with you to achieve your goals. I've trusted Morgan Stanley with my personal wealth management for almost 20 years. Visit Morgan Stanley at morganstanley.com backslash GSE. That's morganstanley.com backslash GSE. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Monica Abbott, softball legend, starred collegiately at the University of Tennessee. She earned 17 championship titles during her softball career. Two-time USA Olympian, four-time world champion, multiple MVP awards. Check this out. She pitched 23 NCAA <laughs> Division One no-hitter, six perfect games. Like, that's cartoonish right there. Um, she's a motivational speaker. She recently retired from pro softball, and she's got a new book coming out. It's called Rise and Shine, the Monica Abbott story. It's available for pre-order now on Amazon.com. And you can follow her on social media. She's active on social media at Monica Abbott. Monica, it is a pleasure to have you on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Oh, man. Thank you. Uh, I'm doing great. Like you said, recently retired. So I've found that I've got a lot more time on my hands these days. Yeah. So, I mean, other than the book, I I know you have a lot going on. We'll get into this. But I want to go back to like where it all started with Mm -hmm. you. Um, at five years old, you said, I'm going to be an Olympian. You declared this to your family, supposedly. Sort of. Yeah. You know, you made it happen. Not everyone can say, I want to do this when I'm young and then turn it into what you turned it into. 
Yeah. You know, I had so like we had a school project and I was kind of doing a bunch of sports. You know, your parents put you in sports and I had an older sister. So they try to put you on the same team. Right. Like, so it's easier. And that was the thing. And had a school report on Georgia. And I was just like, you know, that was 96. It was an Olympic year. I learned about the Olympics and I was like, hey, like I'm going to go. And I, I had just started to like really like softball and pitching. And I was like, I'll be on the mound. You'll see me there. You know, my mom like dared me, double dog dared me to put it in my state report and, you know, probably, you know, got a new shirt or something if I got an A on the project. And um, I ended up getting an A and learned all about the Olympics. And, you know, 10 years later, I ended up pitching in the Beijing Games and 10 years after that, the Tokyo Games. I mean, that is just, I mean, talk about putting your mind to something and, and making it happen. Who were some of your inspirations, uh, whether it's softball or non-softball when you were growing up? You know, I think it's so cool these days because obviously female athletes are getting so much more publicity and Mm -hmm. more accessibility, right? Like, so you can find people on social media, you can find them on YouTube, you can find them on TV, right? You can see, you can even, depending on where you live, maybe see a women's game in person. But when I was growing up, it wasn't as accessible. So a lot of the people that I looked up to were people that were already in my league. It was like people a division older than me in my rec league, or this girl, these girls are on the 16 and under team and they're doing really well like I want to be like them I remember there was a girl at my high school her that she's four years older than me her name was Jennifer Deering and she was a multi-sport athlete an all-star she pitched all these incredible games she would be on the front page of the newspaper and softball and she went ended up going to Cal Berkeley on a softball scholarship and I remember being like, wow, like she's so cool. Like, this is awesome. Like, I want to be able to pitch, pitch like her kind of, you know, I want to be able to throw well and have a chance to be on the, in the newspaper, (laughs) you know, but that's kind of, I looked up to the people in my area that were older than me. And then as softball started to get more publicity around the Olympics and things like that, then I started to see like, oh, like who's Lisa Fernandez, you know? who's Michelle Granger and, you know, who's Dot Richardson, some of the OGs in softball that then I was like, oh, okay. Like I'd already been pitching for a while and I was like, wow, this is cool. There's other people that are good. Um, So that's how I kind of found my softball role models. But Mm -hmm. I think whenever I saw another female athlete that was successful, like a Lisa Leslie, like Cheryl Spoops or a Rebecca Lobo, or a Misty May, like when I saw the other athletes that were good, it, I've, I instantly latched on to them because I was like, wow, like I want to, I want to be good like them. I want to carry myself like them. Yeah, it makes sense. Let's talk about when you went to University of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, you, like I just said, starred there. I mean, set some yeah. incredible records that still stand today across all of collegiate sports, not just at, at Tennessee. What was it like being a college athlete? And again, women's sports, it wasn't quite where it is like today. We just watched the you know, final four for women's basketball and it was an event. And 
when you were playing, it wasn't quite breaking down the barriers yet. Yeah, I think women's sports has continued to grow. When I went to Tennessee, you know, one of the things I loved about it is that Tennessee really supported female athletes. You know, they had the Lady Ball logo. Their basketball program was really successful. And that transition to all their all their sports. Right. And it was really great to be able to see. And it was exciting. So it made me want to help softball. It made me want to see see the support that the women's basketball was program was getting and see, okay, like this is possible, right? Like it's possible for people to support women's sports. The basketball program gets this. Like, let's try to do it for softball. Like, why not? And that's kind of been my mindset through a lot of things. Like, why not softball? Why not me? Why not? Why not us? Was Candace Parker there at the same time you were there? Yes. So Candace and I are like around the same age. I think I'm actually one year older than her. Um, but we actually, which is kind of cool story, we actually did some mentoring together with uh, Coach Cathead Summit, Coach mm-hmm. Summit, one on one, because at the time, I think she recognized our coaches recognized that we were both athletes that you know, impactful athletes on their program and that it would be important for us to not only be good athletically, but how how we were communicating with our team, how how we were were being leader is super important. And then I made her fall in love with softball and she influenced, helped influence and bring our team together. That's great. I was saying Candice has been on this show and I'm just a huge fan of hers and everything that she's done. In her career. So it's cool that you guys interacted and were there at the same time. I wasn't quite sure if that was the case. Yeah, we were. She, Candace is incredible. I think what a tribute to uh, female athletics. Like she's done a great job to continuing her career. And I feel like she's almost gotten a second wind, right? Like in this latter half of her basketball career and seeing her on TV during the final war, right? Like that was fun. Yeah, super fun. Um, okay. So in softball, in the college level, what do you see are the biggest growth areas now? Like, you know, you played a little bit ago. Now, when you watch it, what do you see as the differences, whether it's on or off the field? I would say, I think the biggest impact is obviously it's kind of the things that we talk about. It's information, technology, right? And just visibility. So when I was in college, when I was growing up, there wasn't a, there college wasn't on, softball wasn't on TV. When I was in college, it was like the first era of softball on like the entire women's college world series, uh, league games, having TV exposure. But now I think as TV exposure has grown, you can tell that the athletes have been able to see other college softball players and kind of like modeled themselves after them. And as you get more information, um, as you get more visibility, it grows, right? It grows and it becomes a vibrant community. And I think that that media, the media, the TV, the social, the personalities in the game, all of that has started to blossom and grow. And it's created a really vibrant community within college softball, which is so fun to be a part of and so to watch on TV and to be around. So it's cool. It's really cool. 
I think you would have cleaned up with name, image, and likeness. What I, your, I mean, I've had so many athletes on at Liner, Candice, people who are like, oh, yeah. NIL had been, oh, my. I was playing. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe it? Like, NIL, like, that would have been, that would have been killer. Like, <laughs> that would have been great. These, these ladies, so lucky to have name, image, likeness available to them and the things that they're able to do. Like, woo! Yeah. Awesome. Like, we were over here trying to live off books money and <laughs> save our per diem. And like, now they got full on smoothie bars and stuff at every campus and, you know, getting free meals with an NIL deal. So I absolutely love seeing it. Um, it's such a cool turn for women, for all sports, men's or women's. I like it. Pro softball. For women, you played yeah. for a number of years, um, you know, without getting into exact details. I think it's interesting for our audience. Like, can you earn a decent living doing that? Do you have to like some of the WNBA players like you got to go play uh, another season somewhere else to supplement the income? What kind of earning potential did you have as a pro softball player? Um, so it kind of depends a little bit on your a couple things. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. You mentioned the NIL. I think it'll depend a little bit about, you know, you have these personalities in softball right now that are, you know, obviously making money that pros make. Some pros probably don't make. Wow. Uh, and how that transfers over to uh, women's professional softball. I was able to make a living playing softball because I went overseas. I had, I did a, a huge, I've done a huge amount of like camps, clinics and events all across the country. I did things like run practices and help organize organizations and, you know, did sponsorships and things like this. Um, so for a softball player professionally and, you know, you almost have like three or four or five different sources of income that make it doable to live. And then you play for a moderate amount that um, supports your other hustles that you do. Um, and you you can make a nice living doing it. Um, I was able to go. And then if you have an opportunity to play overseas or um, then you can obviously, you know, maximize even more, uh, which is what I which was what I was able to do. But I do think doing the off season uh, education camps, event camps, clinics, retreats. I was a able to do motivational speaking. So people do one-on-one -on -one coaching or work with uh, club organizations and they're able to make a good living doing that as well as, um, you know, whatever softball based, softball baseball companies that they can, they can work with. So is it a full-time great career yet? No, you got to have a couple things you're doing, but it is a, a great lifestyle. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. 5G is here. Is your stadium ready? From an immersive fan experience to efficient game day operations, 5G is transforming sports and entertainment. If you're ready to jumpstart your 5G transformation, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is one of the largest operators of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. They provide stadiums and arenas with state-of-the-art 5G networks and support teams across the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, 
Major League Soccer, and NCAA. I'm constantly interacting with sports executives, and the reason they love working with Boingo is because Boingo manages 5G and Wi-Fi networks end-to-end, offloading very stretched IT teams. Whether your stadium is looking to support mobile ticketing, cashless payment, or connected operations, Boingo has you covered. But don't just take it from me. Their customers include world-class venues like Soldier Field, State Farm Arena, Petco Park, and University of Louisville. Boingo in 5G, now that's what I call a win-win. For a limited time, Boingo has a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. They're offering a free 5G assessment for your stadium or arena. To get started, simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. You played over in Japan professionally. Yes. What was that experience like? Totally different culture, I assume, you know, different kind of fans. Like, what was that like for you? Playing in Japan was surprisingly, like, you go over there, you're American, like, you're kind of like, am I going to like all this seafood, you know, all these different culture? But honestly, like, it was incredible. I had the time of my life playing for Toyota and playing overseas. I learned so much about myself. I mean, I learned so much about myself. I learned learned about the game. I had to kind of like take on what they were doing and what was making them successful and mold it to myself as an American and be willing to change, right? To have that growth mindset and be willing to change and evolve to be successful in their league, but also to be successful here in the United States with what I was good at as an American. Um, I can't change who I am and how I grew up and the things that I, you know, am good at, but I can evolve them and mold them to make myself successful overseas or in the States. And that's what I like to think I did or was able to do. You got to represent Uh your company in the Olympics. Uh Very few people get to do that. We kind of talked about that earlier. That was one of your dreams. Yeah. What's it like putting that USA across your uniform and, you know, pitching at the level that you got to pitch at? Yeah, the Olympics is such like a fun thing. I think you learn about it and you and you watch it and people get excited. Right. But then. In ever, I feel like so many people dream about it, but when it actually happens that you can actually play in the Olympic Games, it's almost it's almost humbling (laughs) to Mm. be honest. It's humbling and a little bit like, wow, like I'm actually here. This is this is happening. Like, wow, is this me? Are you sure you want me to wear this? <laughs> you get like that imposter syndrome. You really do. You're like, I don't deserve this. Like <laughs> someone else. There's a lot. There's a lot better. I mean, I would tell myself there's so many better pictures out there. Why are they picking me? Like, And you and then you kind of step into you step into the arena and you're like okay like i'm here and they they did choose me they picked me i competed for it too and not only that but now like i have like the support of all those faces i saw you know teaching in the in the stands 
I have the support of community. I have a support of multiple communities and people that in a country, like I need to wear this well. Like I need to give them something to be proud of, something that is going to make their day br- better, their day brighter, and make them want to want to wear USA across their chest today proudly uh, as well. So that was kind of how I felt about it. Um, it was an incredible, incredible experience. And again, like I'm so humbled to be able to be one of the few that have been able to wear USA uh, in the Olympic Games. I know other Olympians I've had on have talked about the camaraderie that was built with the other athletes and other sports in the oh, Olympic yeah. Village. What was that like for you? You know, it's fun. I think the Olympic Village is fun because there is so many other athletes around. And a lot of times, you know, athletes love sports. So we're all watching sports, right? So we become fans of other people. Right. You know, and we're like, oh, you're and they all know you too because obviously they watched you as well and they're very excited for your success so just the energy the vibe within the olympic village across every country and sport is so cool um you know you'll be walking in the cafeteria and then you know yao me walked in like whoa <laughs> you're big you're tall you know um or like i think you know Katie Ledecky walks past you, you know, in the treatment area or, you know, all the different people. So it's really cool to see. And it's fun. It's fun because you got you get to meet other athletes. You get to see a ton of different body types. Right. Mm. Um, And how it really shows that, you know, no matter what body type you have or what you look like, you could you can probably be good at a sport you can be successful at a sport it just depends on which one you choose you know i'm probably not going to be a gymnast but someone else might be (laughs) all right so i want to talk to you about that i've always wanted to ask someone like you this question like the difference between a softball pitch and a baseball pitch and if i uh, my research tells me you have the guinness book of world records for the fastest softball pitch at 77 miles an hour i mean and you're six three right i am yes so that's if i see 77 coming at me from someone six three that's intimidating yeah yeah i throw hard i throw the ball hard um 77 was my fastest, but I swear I hit it. I probably got to like 79 or even faster at times, but it, we just didn't always have a radar gun um, or have it documented. But yeah, probably on average, I threw like between 73 to 75. Um, it comes fast. And it, you know what it is? The dip, It's the reaction time, right? Like it's the hitter's reaction time. So they basically have to choose a hitter has to pick like, hey, Am I going to swing for an outside pitch or am I going to swing for an inside pitch? And and so that's, I feel like, the strategy against that. But softball, it's fun. It's closer. Um, it's, you know, you release low at the hip, whereas baseball, they kind of release over the top, the shoulder. But, you know, there's some huge, there's some tall baseball pitchers. A lot of them are like in the six foot club or plus. So Yeah. Randy Johnson. Yeah, Randy, of course. I, I met mean, six- him once in the airport. I like damn girl hard, <laughs> like so hard. 
if you ever, if he's listening to this, I'm so sorry I followed you through the Air, Atlanta airport. <laughs> but I was like this, I was so shocked. And honestly, I was surprised no one else was following you too. Wait, did he ever talk to you or you just like kind of followed him through the airport? <laughs> followed him through the airport. Oh. And then finally, means- like he was trying to power walk away from me. And I, and I knew it because obviously I've done that before, like just a time or two. And so, like, it was like a speed. All of a sudden, it was like an Olympic race walk. <laughs> Atlanta D-gate. <laughs> and um, finally, he hit a dead end. Just had to, like, face me. <laughs> I was like, hi, I'm so sorry. I know you're trying to get away from me. I'm a huge fan. Did he talk to you? Did he say anything? Or yeah, did he no, he, to... was, he was super nice. Um, And I, we took a picture. And I was like, I'm a softball pitcher. <laughs> I was like, you know, but at this point, I was like 10 years a professional like into my professional career like i wasn't young like i knew better i just couldn't help myself and, that's cool um, i think we all have yeah. those people that we admire and stuff but that's a great story yeah no he was great he like i obviously like tagged him on social and he messaged me back and everything and he was like oh my gosh okay i'm sorry like I <laughs> but he he was really cool about it so okay the yeah. the reaction time is shorter because you're the pitcher and the batter are closer in softball. Um, it's more of a flat, fast pitch in softball, whereas in baseball, you know, you can come You're from elevated. yeah, elevated and you can come. I mean, someone like Randy Johnson, 6'11", like it's really elevated in the angle that you can come the at. Arm, yeah, the arm angle, right? Like coming down, it's like probably for like six footers in baseball, Standing on an elevated surface, you know, you're almost like downhill skiing, right? Like you, the angle that you can create. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one thing that is, if you can, if you're familiar with my pitching motion, like I start kind of low and I have this unique pitching style that's now kind of become a trend. But one of the things that's difficult in softball for pitchers to understand is like because we're on a flat surface. We have to create our own momentum, right? Like we have to create our own momentum off of the mound and we have to be able to, to create leg drive and power through that momentum. And so then when we get what we get is we have to, and we need that, we need that momentum and leg drive and leg power off, off of the, our flat surface is because we need to create ground force when we land. And that's just a front side stability. In baseball, they're able to probably, they instantly get ground force because they're landing on a hill, right? Right. To flat ground off of a hill. So they instantly create a ground force with their front leg. In softball, we have to create the ground force by our momentum and drive off of the mound. Sorry, that went technical, but. I love it. I, I mean, are you kidding me? Like I'm tapping into one of the greatest softball pitchers ever in mind. Like I, I can listen to this all day. Do you have any movement on your pitch or is that pretty fast and flat? So I was known for my rise ball, which is definitely a softball pitch. Um, breaks up. Um, I have a changeup, uh, a curveball. I was like a rising curveball pitcher, basically. And then I had a pretty good changeup that I developed a little bit later in my career. I didn't have a changeup when I was in college. And then I had threw I threw a little bit of a drop ball. Um, but I'm mostly rice curve and then a supporting changeup. 
So how fast is a changeup? So fastball 77, 79, yeah. how fast is a changeup? General rule of thumb is you want to be about 10 to 15 miles an hour slower than your fastball. Wow. But for me, if you're throwing, the thing is when you're throwing in the 70s, you know, a lot of pitchers in softball, average speed 63 to 6, 63, 64. Um, so if I'm all, if I'm only taking 10 to 12 miles an hour off, you know, I'm right in that good hitting speed, right? And all of a sudden my changeup's like 60, 63, right? Like that's what hitters want to hit. Um, so I had to learn how, the reason I struggled learning a changeup is because I was throwing so hard. I had to learn how to take like 20 miles an hour off of my changeup. So mad and, and make it look like nobody knew it was coming. Wow. Like that's hard. <laughs> that is hard. That's really hard. Yeah. Um, I saw a video once of Jenny Finch striking out Alex Rodriguez. Uh-huh. Yeah. Have you ever faced a major league baseball hitter? Do you think you could strike out a major league baseball hitter? Of course. Bring it on, boys. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, you know, it, that was such a cool video that Jenny did, like so awesome and so much notoriety. But also want to give props to the hitter, right? Like the baseball hitter for having sure. the guts to do it. I mean, right. he probably gets asked about that a lot. Like, but thank you. <laughs> thank you for um having the guts and enjoying and being like having fun with the game, right? I think baseball and softball are such similar sports. They're brothers and sisters, whether we want to admit it or not, like they're similar sports. So Props to him as well for stepping in the box. What's the growth potential for softball? Not only here in America, but like where you played in Japan, just globally. What's the growth potential? I think the growth potential is huge. I actually think the growth potential in America is is really big in, in the professional aspect, especially mm. college. Now that the NIL has come out, you're going to come up with a lot of fans that are fans of a certain athlete, right? They're fans of a Kiki Malloy at Tennessee. They're fans of, you know, a Montana Fouts at Alabama or a Charlotte Eccles at Florida. They're fans of certain athletes, and those fans are going to translate to the pros, right? And so as we develop more fan bases with the NIL in college of these certain athletes, then hopefully those fans transfer to those girls as they go pro and those girls' professional teams. Um, I really foresee the professional aspect in the United States uh, is exponential. It's going to continue to grow and build. And I can't wait till it does because I know it's going to be it's going to be the coolest thing on earth. Would you ever have aspirations to be involved in forming a professional league in America? Yeah, I would for sure uh, consider being involved in the professional league in any way that I could help. Yeah, of course. Of course. All right. We got your next role there. I, I mean, I can't think yeah. of anyone better than you to be involved in, in growing that here. Thank you. I've been uh, around a couple of different pro leagues. <laughs> exactly. Tell me about your book. So you write the book. Um, yeah. Coming out. Why did you write it? And what did you want people to take away when they read it? Yeah, so I wrote Rise and Shine, the Monica Abbott story. It's a hundred and it's like a little less than 200. I think it's 150, okay. 150, 160 pages. I wrote it because 
while I was a professional, I did all those camps and clinics and events. And I was out there in the public teaching and educating girls on softball, but also started to realize the impact that I was having on them, right? Like the motivation, the inspiration, them seeing me in a different light than just as a teacher. And I thought, you know, as my career went on, I started to realize like, wow, like I have a career, I've had a softball career that not many people have had yet, have had yet, right? I've had yet, there's going to be another one and I can't wait till it, it the next one comes, but not that I haven't had quite yet. So I wanted to be able to share that my story and what it took and what I did, what it took and what I did, right? Like if I could line it out for that 12 year old, the 15 year old on the, some of the different experiences that I have had and some of the challenges, right? Because it wasn't all, it wasn't all easy. It wasn't all pretty. There was some tough moments too. And what I did to help me get through those, I thought it would be so important to be able to share. What's cool about the book is that I feel like it kind of reaches a couple different audiences because it go, as it goes through my career, it talks about the beginning of my, you know, your youth, how you got started. Um, and then it, there's a big component on Tennessee, which is where I went to college. And those really like um, formatting years, right? Like those college years are so um, forming for you. And then it talks about, you know, the 2008 Olympics, the Tokyo, the Tokyo 2020, 2021 Olympics. And then it talks about my professional career, both for Toyota when I went overseas, but my professional career in the United States. And the one part that I think can really resonate with a lot of people out there, especially the older crowd, is there's a piece of in it about uh, women's empowerment, because throughout my career, I feel like I was kind of at the forefront of that women's movement. And it's been a theme throughout um, throughout my professional career, especially with the million dollar contract and different aspects like that. So I wanted to bring that to light in the book as well. And so, yeah, that's what kind of like the chapters in the book and Hopefully it inspires the next great American softball player. I'm sure it will. I'm yeah. sure it will. I know we have just a few minutes left. Uh, I had John Smoltz on, baseball pitcher, not so long ago. And we talked about specialization in sports where yeah. coaches are saying you can only play football. You can only play basketball. You can only play baseball or softball. You can only play golf. He doesn't think it's good. I don't either. Um, what are your thoughts on specialization, just playing one sport, playing it year round? Uh, I think I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, uh, I think kids, athletes, young athletes, they need to be well-rounded. It's important for them to have a break, right? Like from the sport that they're playing so they don't burn out. And it, I really believe in playing another sport for like, um, just physical development, right? Um, doing different athletic movements that then can transfer to your other sport. I do think it's important as you go into high school to kind of realize, hey, like what sport, especially by your sophomore, junior year to like, hey, what sport am I the most serious about? Like, especially if you have 
collegiate dreams, Olympic dreams, professional dreams. Hey, what sport am I most serious about? Okay, I can I can play basketball too, but you know, softball is my is my main sport. Like, and to be able to recognize that, hey, I can I can do football, but you know, baseball is my main sport. So knowing kind of that balance, I do think that helps helps athletes develop um, for the next phase of their athletic career at the next level. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, last question for you. Sure. You know, we've talked about your career. You got the book out. I know you do motivational speaking. When you're just having fun and you're unwinding, what do you like to do? Oh, man. Um, well, I think everyone these days loves to watch, like, binge watch, right? Like, binge watch. Netflix. What's your show? Whatever's in the top 10. <laughs> Check out my top 10. But um, no, I mean, there's so many good ones. Um, so that and then, you know, uh, what else do I like to do? That's it. I've been really into cooking lately, trying okay. to the piece. So do you have a yeah. go to? Yeah. So I do like a vegetable pasta. That's pretty good. Mm. And and um, enchiladas. I perfected my enchilada recipe. So that's great. Uh, yeah. Those are my two right now. That's awesome. Yeah. Monica Abbott has a new book coming out, Rise and Shine, the Monica Abbott story. It's available for pre-order on Amazon.com. You can follow her on social media at Monica Abbott, and you can visit her website at MonicaAbbott.com. This is a pleasure, Monica. I have admired your work from afar for a long time. You are just a legend. And it's exciting to see you go into this next phase of your life and uh, continued success to you. Yeah, thank you so much. And thanks for having me. Happy I did this. This is great. Awesome. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Your fantasy leagues might be over, but you can still play fantasy sports games on Underdog Fantasy. I love playing Pick'em and Rivals. With Pick'em, you can pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. You can win 20 times your money in a single night. You pick between two and five players to build a pick'em entry. Also, Rivals pits two players against each other. That's a lot of fun, too. It could be two players on the same team. It could be two players from other teams. Points, rebounds, fantasy points. It's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying that with NBA games especially right now. Sign up today with promo code SBR and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store. And don't forget to register with my promo code SBR, like Sports Business Radio, to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 plus and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our team at Sports Business Radio, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Ryan Nakajima, and our friends at CG Sports who power Sports Business Radio, CG Young, Matt Amerlin, Nicole Wardle, and Calvin Wirtz. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. 
This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.